if you're not recruiting with retention in mind, if you're not recruiting with the understanding that these are real people and we owe it to them to do this job at the best of our ability, then you're doing it wrong. You're listening to Sense Per Mile with your host, Charles Gracie, and his co-host, Paul Gibson. Our guests, Jimmy Goodson and Robert Pearson. They'll be tackling tough industry topics, asking even tougher questions, all to find better solutions to help make sense make sense. Thank you for joining us on Sense Per Mile. I'm your host, Charles Gracie. And I'm your co-host, Paul Gibson. And today we're talking about if your recruiter is full of shit or the shit. Yep. Yeah, it's a, sometimes it seems like a pretty fine line. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to go this one first or you want me to take it? You, you know, I'm going to let you take the lead and then I'm just going to hop in there after because uh, everyone knows how I feel about recruiting, uh, being that I am a recruiting company. So I'm going to turn it around and let you take the lead on this one, bud. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, <laughs> so I, I was a recruiting and marketing manager for like five years ish. Uh, spent a lot of time, you know, that's how I cut my teeth in, in the trucking industry for the most part was in recruiting. Um, and, uh, I think the, the biggest, the biggest telltale sign on whether a recruiter is a good recruiter or not is literally whether or not they're capable or have the understanding that the person on the other side of the phone is a person. I wholeheartedly agree with you that with this one. We're dealing with people, not numbers, not trucks, people that have families, they have responsibilities and livelihoods that they depend on us to communicate what we're offering as efficiently and effectively as possible. Often, I hear recruiters refer to it as a sell or a sale. I really hate that terminology because we're dealing with people. I'm not selling a car to you. I'm not selling you a good... I am flat out giving you a job if it matches what you're looking for. So for me personally, I hear that word sell and I'm like, I'm not selling a driver. I'm communicating my offer. They're communicating their needs. And if they match up and we can connect the dots, then it's a win-win for everyone. So I think with today's episode, what we're going to be seeing is with our guest, Jimmy Goodson, who's an OTR driver, and our other guest from the carrier side, Robert Pearson from Mesilla Valley Transportation. We're going to see really unique opinions that go into what they think makes a good recruiter or a bad recruiter. I've seen both. You know, um, I came into recruiting and it was one of those things where, here you go, here's your list. No training, no anything except a script. Uh, I did get one of those. Uh, there was a sheet of paper. For each lane saying figure it out this is what we say and I quickly realized that I, if I wanted to be successful I didn't regurgitate anything that was on that sheet I learned the offer and I talked to the drivers like fellow drivers and it's ch- almost it's uh it's almost like the uh, the script is literally like how not to say it <laughs> <laughs> but yet we see those scripts utilized across the industry often in the same regards to how I got started where someone's just like here's your script good luck and off the deep end. And then we wonder why we have situations where our offers were miscommunicated. Well, so to be fair, to, to play a little devil's advocate, um, trucking happens. 
and the the landscape in operations is insane like it, i i don't know that there's a lot of other industries that require the flexibility that transportation does in general and so i mean in my experience there there were even times where it's like i had all the details of the job and everything was locked in and then something would happen with the customer or something would happen with a shortage or something basically and the job would change so it can kind of with things constantly changing it you can kind of end up in a situation as a recruiter if you once again like we always end up going back to on the show communication if, if if you don't have that communication as a recruiter you can't fully do your job but to be fair that's not necessarily what we're tackling today we're tackling the practice and i i think i think the scripts come from sales uh you know like that is a very salesy thing to do like hey i've built this script you know whether it be for cold calling whether it be for whatever like i go off this it works for me every time and that doesn't translate i don't feel like very well to driver recruiting which i think we should establish is different from recruiting in any other industry um you know typically it's like if you're a recruiter you're getting applications and you're deciding which one you want to move forward with and then you know trying to place them with jobs whereas in trucking it's like hey are you qualified (laughs) you know but then it also boils down to you people people take it at that face value it's like oh i need to i need to get 30 drivers on this you Mm -hmm. know this lane it's like you're just looking to see if people are qualified and i think that's part of the problem is that you have to make sure it works for that person long term. You know, everybody's like, oh, retention is the new recruiting. Well, recruiting is retention uh, in a way. I think that, you know, because that's the first place you can shoot yourself in the foot. You know, if, if a driver calls in and you're like, hey, yeah, you know, this is great. Uh, I'll get you home every weekend. Uh, it's drop and hook. You're going to make this much a mile, you know, like that might be the case 90% of the time. But if you know that there might be a chance that they might not quite get back in time to reset, you know, they might get stuck out that Saturday, you know, that happens because trucking happens, traffic happens, hours of service is what it is. And I think those things need to be presented. You need to have that full picture. You know, you need to basically explain what could go wrong. As if, if anything else, CYA, you know, just but you, you want to make sure because that's that person's livelihood. That driver who's calling in, that is their livelihood that you don't want them to go home to their significant other or even worse, their kid and say, I will always be here at this time. When you as a recruiter know that there's a small chance, you know, you got people already on that lane that maybe like once a month it doesn't quite work out. You should probably make mention of those sorts of things. Yeah. Trucking happens. You know, it's one of those industries where even if it's black and white, what the parameters of the job or task might be trucking happens. Um, Going back to your point, you know, I just had this discussion on LinkedIn the other day with somebody about recruiting with retention in mind. It's often one of those things that we say doesn't take place or as this individual was saying, is so five years ago. But is it? Because if you're doing recruiting right, you always have retention in mind by doing recruiting right. Well, yeah. No, I mean, and that's that, that was kind of what I was getting at uh, is, is the idea that, like, if you say, hey, you will be home every Saturday, 
that driver goes out and the second week in they're not home on Saturday. You just lost that driver. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, and it's not necessarily that you lied, but just that you shouldn't ever make a guarantee unless you can follow it up. And I feel like there's a lot of that, you know, and there, there's, there's a lot of recruiters who might be well-meaning and that might be a communication issue. But I know from my time that I would make sure that I would double check every single bit of information I got on almost a weekly basis with someone in operations. Cause my bit is, you know, I I've got a home, I've got a wife, I've got three kids. And if I were ruining someone's ability to have that experience, I don't think I could sleep at night. So it is communication, but also I think some of that does fall on operations. But I think as a recruiter, you have to actively seek out that information even if it's it's all correct it's better to check that it's correct than to have something changed not be aware of it and then all of a sudden you've got these people leaving these jobs that work better for them to come work for you just to find out like hey it really isn't a good fit because uh i didn't keep up on it we're dealing with real people they have needs they're trusting us to help them with finding their next gainful employment to provide for their responsibilities and their people. If you're not recruiting with retention in mind, if you're not recruiting with the understanding that these are real people and we owe it to them to do this job at the best of our ability, then you're doing it wrong. And today's episode, we're going to discuss some of the goods and bads of recruiting. I would be curious. Uh, just cause you know, obviously you're pretty steeped in the recruiting world. Um, what is the worst thing you've ever heard a recruiter say or do on the phone? Oh, wow. All right. So usually I'm the one that hits you with those hard ones, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think honestly, the thing that I find the worst in recruiting is when a recruiter doesn't put a value to the person they're talking to on the other end. I could deal with a recruiter that's bad because of a lack of experience. You can gain experience. You can learn if you want to learn. But I can't tolerate or deal with a bad recruiter that's bad because they don't care or they're ignorant to the fact that they're dealing with people. They're thinking numbers. They're thinking amounts in their pocket. If you're doing it for money, if you're doing it and I get we all come to work for money, but there's more to recruiting than that. You're dealing with people and their livelihoods, and you have to be empathetic to that. You have to have an understanding that these people, we owe it to them. They already have a hard enough job. They don't need us to make it more complicated by lying and misguiding uh, that their trusts are being put in us and trying to utilize that to further our own personal gains. So a recruiter that's lacking skill, I can train that. A recruiter that's lacking the empathy to treat this job with the respect that these people, these men and women of the road deserve, I can't deal with that. And you see it a lot nowadays where these people are just callous to the fact of, oh, it's a driver. They're they're lying to us. They're not communicating properly to us. Uh, they're not cooperating with these men and women are working awkward schedules. These men and women are turning around and doing all kinds of things to keep America moving forward. The least I can do is put my best foot forward to help them find their next gainful employment. Yep. 
And I, I 100% agree with that. I think, I think that's huge is, is not so much, you know, to be fair to anybody who's watching or, or listening, who is a recruiter or, or, you know, the like, um, a lot of times I don't necessarily feel like it's also, you know, like blatant lies. I think it's a little bit of ignorance, which leads to misrepresentation. It's the idea that the person is is a person on the other side of the phone. That driver yeah. is a person. They have a life. Uh, but it's also easy with a, a certain level of ignorance if you've never experienced being in a truck, which I recommend anyone who works in the industry who's never been in a truck, it will completely change how you view everything. Uh, you only have to go out for 24 hours. I would do an overnight, but if you do 24 hours in the truck, you come back to that office, you will view everything completely different. See, I disagree uh, with you there. I think a week. It has to be a week. Oh, you no, got I, to see the I, parking. You got to see what goes into these these drivers' sacrifices at the truck stops and, and the cleanliness of those truck stops, especially in today's world. I think recruiters need to see it all. I think anyone in trucking needs to see at least a week. It has to be a couple overnights. You got to understand what it feels like to not be able to find parking. I would agree with that. I think I think week is is ideal. I'm just saying if you went out for 24 hours, that's already enough to make you go, "Oh, <laughs> this isn't at all what I thought it was." And that allows you the ability to be a little bit more realistic, which sets better expectations. You know, cuz that's one thing I would always start out by saying is that you know, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a recruiter, you know, and then when I became a recruiting manager, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm the biggest rat in the sewer. You know, I'm the recruiting manager. You know, it's, it's the idea that, like, you can tell a driver all day that it's sunshine and rainbows, but the fact of the matter is that driver's currently living the life. They know for a fact that it doesn't matter how awesome your company is, it's not sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> You know, so there's no need to, to make it out that way. And, and that's why I always encourage companies, uh, you know, especially like in their marketing and stuff, be self-aware, understand that this industry isn't necessarily and even even the road isn't necessarily kind to drivers. And there's not a lot of things that, that are terrible that your company can't do anything to fix. It is what it is and the situation we're in. But you can start to acknowledge, hey, let's do this to make this part better. And you can pose that. You could be like, hey, we have this job. Yes, this part about it sucks. But what we'll do for you to help compensate for that is, you know, whatever whatever that would happen to be, if that kind of makes sense. No, it does. And so before we go to our guest, I'd like to touch on our first interaction <laughs> uh, because I think it's important that people understand in recruiting, we've created this narrative as an industry where recruiters bad, mm, scary. Mm -hmm. And then we've also seen some movements with certain individuals and certain people that uh, the way they do things matters and it's different and, and you feel that aura around them. Our first interaction, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. We oh, met in Birmingham. Yeah. We, we talked outside the hotel. Go ahead, share your All experience. Right. So we we met in Birmingham, and we both went outside, uh, and we were standing there, and uh, we just kind of started talking, just because we were in close proximity. I was like, "Hey, what's up? You know, like, what do you do? What do you what are you doing here?" And uh, we started talking about it, and he Charles told me that he was a he ran a third party recruiting company, and I said, "Oh God, 
I was a recruiter. Everybody thinks I'm terrible, but you're a third-party recruiter. You're in it just strictly for the money. You don't have a company or anything. You must be a real piece of shit. And, uh, you know, I started talking to Charles and realized, like, it completely changed my perspective of it because you had actually been a driver. So you had the experience. You know, the more we got into it operationally, kind of like what I was talking about finding information, you know, you talking to your clients, seeing what they're offering, and then making a decision if you even want to work with them based on that or saying, hey, I'm not going to work with you if you don't do this because this puts your drivers in a precarious position. Um, and it completely blew my mind. You know, it's, it's kind of like we also talk about on the show. Perception is everything, you know, whether it's driver facing or, or customer facing or whatever. That kind of blew my mind. It was the idea that, like, there's a lot of stereotypes uh, out there about a lot of things about recruiters, uh, especially about third party recruiters. It really ultimately comes down to that driver first mentality, understanding that they're people. And it doesn't matter whether you're uh, a recruiter for a company or a third party recruiter. If you actually take into consideration the live, like the fact that your job is to provide a better livelihood for people who are willing to go out, put themselves out there, and basically, like I always say, be the wall between us and the downfall of civilization. If these people weren't willing to do what they're doing, our lives would, as we know, it would be completely falling apart. And so I think recruiters owe it to drivers to do their research, to keep up on that information, because the people that you're helping are going to help you in every single way possible. If it weren't for the people that you're trying to bring in the door, nothing in your life matters because it's all just going you, to You as a apart. recruiter don't matter without them. As a driver recruiter without the drivers, your need doesn't exist. So there's a lot of misconceptions on recruiting. And before we dive into our guests, I wanna kinda cover a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. So first one being driver recruiters. They have various compensation models. Mm -hmm. You know, some are on salary, some are hourly, some do get paid per hire. Um, and then you have your third-party recruiters. Those are strictly outsourced. Um, a lot of times people are like, oh, third-party recruiters, big, bad, scary, lies all the time. They work for money. Everyone works for money. What's nice, in my opinion, about being a third-party recruiter, because I've been a carry recruiter. When I was a carry recruiter, either a driver fit in the box or they didn't. And if they didn't, I could like that driver all I want. If they didn't fit in my box, I couldn't help them. Being third-party, I can help as many drivers as I can, as I have bandwidth to. I have multiple offers. I don't have any uh, allegiance to one or more carriers over the next. I have an allegiance to placing the right driver in the right job. So being a third party recruiter being able to help those drivers find their next gainful employment without having to maybe lose a little piece of my soul every day trying to make a square peg fit in a round hole i find that very rewarding and there's plenty of good recruiters out there but there's also plenty of bad so here's here's my tough question to you though after what we talked about earlier so as a recruiter it's already kind of hard to keep up operationally uh, to make sure that the information that you're you're giving is correct. As a third-party recruiter, I imagine that lift has to be bigger. What what do you do uh, 
to make sure that the information that you're giving these drivers that you're placing actually matches up with the reality of operations. So I have those hard conversations with our clients. I make sure whatever they're offering is actually what they're offering, not what they wish they had to offer. Um, if I get feedback from a driver or one of my recruiters gets feedback from a driver that doesn't match what we're communicating to the driver, we're on that as fast as we're on it to try to get that driver in a job. We're also on it to address concerns on the jobs that we're working with them to get them placed within. If you're not doing it this way, you're doing it wrong. And yes, you're not incorrect as far as the lift of being third party. We're working with multiple offers. So it's that much more information you got to make sure you got right. That's why we have a very in-depth onboarding process with our clients. And if our client's not will willing to go through that process, then they're not gonna be our client because I have multiple clients. I have the drivers and the carriers, and I owe it to them both to do this job correctly. The drivers are people. The carriers are spending money, and they're people. Everyone has a need. If I do this correctly, everyone's happy, which is one of those rare things that you can do in life, but in recruiting, you can do it. Just do the job correctly. But in interest of today's episode, our guests are going to discuss when, what happens when you do it correctly and what happens when you don't. So now I'm excited to introduce my next guest to the show, Jimmy. Jimmy Goodson has been a OTR driver for as long as I've known him. Um, Jimmy was my trainer when I started out driving. Uh, he actually salvaged me walking out of a terminal because I sat there for a month waiting for a trainer and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I learned a lot from him. Uh, we ran together for some time and then uh, we just became friends. Our families became friends. Today we're talking about recruiters and what determines if a recruiter driver relationship is successful versus what determines if it's unsuccessful. With the, all of this experience you have being a trainer and a driver and a LP lease purchase, Driver, I mean, you offer a lot of insight to this. So tell me, what what's your current view on just the overall general status of recruiting? My overall thought is I personally don't think that you should be a recruiter if you've never driven a truck. Um, they like to paint the picture like it's a uh, Van Gogh, um, and it's it's truly not. And they have no idea what it's like being out here. Um, I've had some good recruiters that were drivers and they were trustworthy. Um, do you believe every word they say? No. Um, but you, for the most part, you have to take them as with a grain of salt. Um, the ones that have never been inside of a truck, they, they are just basically coming off of a script. They're just reading a the script. They have no clue. And you can tell, if you have experience, you can tell by talking to a recruiter if they know what they're talking about or not. So l l let's hone in on that a little bit, because I'd love for you to share some of this wisdom with the listeners out there that are drivers and trying to figure out which recruiters are good and what red flags should they be looking for. What things are you looking for to gauge the recruiter that you're talking to to make sure that you're talking to somebody that's going to be looking out for your best interest? Because this is your livelihood. This is your family. I mean, you you have a absolutely fantastic family. I, I've met them. Uh, we've gotten become friends over the years. So tell me, how do you look out for your family and your own well-being, and how do you judge that recruiter if they got that well-being in mind? Well, I mean, it's simple. Once you uh, go to a job, 
the first thing I ask them after a couple minutes of talking. Have you ever driven a truck? If they've never driven a truck, our conversation is pretty much over. Um, I've been doing this 25 years. So uh, this is my livelihood. I don't have time um, to be beaten around the bush. I need to be told up front what I'm going to be looking forward to. And if that, when I get to that job, I'll give you an example. Um, maybe 15 years ago, I went to a company and uh, told them what I expected. No 3,000 miles a week. No problem. No problem. Get me in the truck. I go half a week. Miles aren't looking good. Then they um, told me that they couldn't guarantee me 3,000 miles a week. So I left. I told them they can bring me back to where I got the truck and I'll go somewhere else. I just, um, I don't have time for it. So when you're talking to these recruiters and with you being with this much experience, I'm sure you've had, like you said, good ones, bad ones. I, obviously, as an industry, not we'd love to see more drivers become recruiters because they've done the job. But realistically speaking, there's just no way to make every recruiter have a CDL or have had a CDL at some point. Logistically, I think that would actually be a nightmare. Um, but in a perfect world, if we can make some sort of compromise here, I think, and I'd love to get your thoughts, what would you think about a recruiter having to spend a month on the road with a driver, like the team scenario that most drivers have to when they're coming into the industry to begin with, so they understand your struggles and they understand how to communicate them? I mean, what's your thoughts on something like that? Mm, I don't think they'd need a month. Um, maybe a couple weeks, sure. You just don't want to be in a truck with a recruiter for a month. Like, let's be honest here. <laughs> I don't think they'd want to be in the truck with me. <laughs> well, I was about to say, that's uh, that's, that's basically how it went for me. I was uh, – we, we went from Kansas City to uh, Washington uh, State. Uh, that was my first time in a truck. We got about two hours in. We made it from Kansas City to Topeka, and I was like, oh, man, this is not what I thought it was. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if anything else, you know, by the time that we, we hit the turnpike, I definitely found out how lonely of a, a place the road is uh, via the people passing us. <laughs> um, but we won't get into that too much. What do you, If you could isolate one big problem that the industry needs to address on this front what would it be you mean between uh recruiters dispatch and the driver yeah i mean if if you could come in and and someone gave you one wish what would it be that the left hand knew what the right hand was doing that, that nobody is on the same page you're actually in a very unique situation because you're taking these students and training them you're getting the c like in real time from the time they get into the truck to and finished with the recruiter to the time they finish training with you how often do you see them coming in under false pretenses i'm really interested on that one being the students because like let's be honest experience matters and they come in they don't have the experience so most of them don't realize most recruiters are used car salesmen and real quick, I'd like to add to that, like the misconceptions, not just about the specific company that they're going to train with, but those people, those drivers who are new to the industry, the ones who are training, what kind of misconceptions have they been given about the industry and the driver experience as a whole? Well, that's where it comes back as they always try to paint the picture green. Um, they, these students, they fill their heads up with how great it is. Um, half the guys that I came out here or tried to train, they didn't even let them know to bring the proper um, uh, clothing. 
So these guys are coming out ill-prepared in the truck. And then what about their expectations? Like I, I as a recruiter, come across new drivers that are coming out. Uh, I just came across one the other day. He, he's brand new out of CDL school, hasn't had a lick of training to him. But he can't be out more than a week at a time. Otherwise, his wife will get upset and needs to be home every weekend and is expecting 1500 and wants lease purchase. That's, 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 that's not realistic. Yeah, that's, that's, that's insane. You know, um, like I've had uh, quite a few students who thought that they should make the amount of money that I make. And that's, that's just not, uh, it's not feasible. It doesn't even make sense to anybody. You, you don't have, you have zero experience and you want to come out here and try to make what I'm making. That's not going to work. You, you're, but, but I was, well, but they were, they were told, you know, you can make X, X amount of dollars. Yeah, once you get the experience, it's not going to happen right out of school. If, if you were to call a recruiter, aside from, you know, like their previous experience, whether or not they've driven a truck, uh, but if you were to call a recruiter, what what things happened in that conversation that, that from your experience, because I realized, you know, between veterans and truck drivers, out of any demographics I've ever worked with, those are the two groups of people with the absolute hands down best BS detectors. I mean, if you have to keep putting me on hold to ask a question, clearly you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, that would be a red flag. Um, if I'm asking them questions and their answers are, I don't know, or I can check on that. You, again, you, you don't know what's going on. You have no idea. So I, that's, that, they, these are red flags that I will not, um, I'll call back and get a different recruiter. If this is a company that I want to drive for, if not, then I move to the next one. You had a really consistent history with your companies, and I know that was a, a huge point that you've always made from when you were training people to even when um, we were working together was remaining consistent. I mean, good or bad, that was kind of one of his speeches was, hey, stick through it. You, you're not. It's not going to be 30 days. It's not going to be 60 days. It's not going to be 90 days before you know if what you were sold is what it is. It's going to come to fruition over time, and you have to give it time to mature. And you've been doing this for so long. I mean, and yet here you are, you know, very consistent work history, um, very very consistent results, very consistent expectations, and even communicating those expectations. So, I mean, that's truly commendable and not everyone can do it and has the grit to get through it. I mean, you've had good recruiters, you've had bad recruiters. Um, you've had good experiences from those recruiters and bad ones. So, I mean, I appreciate you taking a little time on the show to share those experiences with us and our audience. And, um, uh, I appreciate everything you do for the industry, you know, be safe out there. I know it's uh we got a lot of chaos going on right now, but be safe and wish you the best and look forward to talking to you again soon, Jimmy. Our next guest is from the carrier side. I have Robert Pearson, the Vice President of Driver Recruiting with Mesilla Valley Transportation. Robert, how are you doing today? Thanks for coming on the show. I'm doing great. Excited to be on with you guys. Love what you guys are doing and uh, excited to talk to you about uh, driver recruiting. Yeah, so talking about driver recruiting, you got quite the background. Very diverse, lots of experience. Can you tell us a little bit about that real quick so everyone knows what you bring to the table here in this conversation? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I got into trucking officially back in uh, early 2006, but uh, my family's always had its roots in trucking. My grandfather drove truck for 50 plus years, have numerous other relatives that are behind the wheel. 
Uh, as I was informed at one point, though, while my grandfather was teaching me how to drive and I was grinding gears of a little Geo Metro, <laughs> you're not good enough to be behind the wheel. You're going to end up being a recruiter. Little did I know that was uh, the career path that got laid out for me. Um, I didn't realize that it was an insult at the time. I figured that out years later. But with that said, uh, I love what I do for a living. I have the greatest job in the world. I've, I've been able to hire about 20, a little over 25,000 drivers over the course of my career. Uh, and ultimately, my job at the end of the day is to try to make somebody's life better. Uh, so I, I enjoy what I do. I'm excited by what I do. And uh, on a weekly basis, I get reminded uh, by that when I place the right person in the right position. So talking about right person in the right position, uh, in your mind, what do you determine makes a recruiter successful? And not just on the terms of goals and hitting those goals and making those hires, but also on the eyes of the driver, being successful on behalf of the driver, because we are an advocate for the carrier, but also for the drivers. Oh, it, it's, it's empathy. Uh, a recruiter that is, has empathy towards the person that they're ultimately serving is going to be highly successful. If you get somebody that is, I hate to say it, a bit of a sociopath where they're really just looking for another notch or another point or uh, another one to say, hey, instead of nine, I got 10 this week, uh, that person long term won't be successful. Uh, their turnover will be through the roof because uh, ultimately they're trying to pit, put a square peg into a round hole. Um, they essentially are, are, you know, what has been referred to as creating a meat market. They're literally just trying to put a butt in the seat. At the end of the day, that person's going to fail in long term. Will either burn out or, quite frankly, will be found out when you look at their turnover. If you have somebody that's empathetic, that cares, quite frankly, and wants to do right by the person that they're ultimately working with, uh, they'll be wildly successful in the long run, depending on their work ethic at that point. Uh, so I generally, if I'm, I'm taking somebody off the street and trying to turn them into a driver recruiter, honestly, the first thing I want to see is that they have a sense of empathy. Uh, well, I was going to ask, what would be the one thing that if you're looking at a recruiter and you're saying, if I see this, that this is not a good recruiter, I cannot use, utilize this person to represent my company, what would that be then in your eyes? Oh, it, it's somebody that oversimplifies things. Most people make the mistake of assuming that every driver is the same. Every driver is basically chasing the biggest cent per mile they can find. And though that may be true for some folks, there's a, if you look at today's driver base, there is a long list and, and, uh, of differences. There is no stereoty stereotypical driver. And so as a recruiter, you have to be able to honestly shut up and listen. Generally, a recruiter in a good phone call is probably only doing about 30% of the talking. The driver really is leading that dance and doing about 70% of the talking. Because I, I want to know when I talk to a driver, what matters to you most? Is it your pay? Is it the equipment? Is it respect? Is it home time? Is it a set type of schedule? Obviously, in the perfect world, a job's going to have all those things, but you have to shut up and listen so a driver can tell their story. So a driver can tell you, hey, I got to be home Monday through Friday. I have, uh, I don't know, I'm a deacon at a church on Sunday, or you know what, I have child custody on Thursday and Friday. If you don't really sit down and listen to a driver, uh, you will have a horrible conversion rate. Uh, you may get lucky and get a higher. But again, that person's going to quit 30 days later because you've not hired the right person for the job. Um, and so if somebody can't shut up and listen, 
and quite frankly wants to just talk about stats all day, uh, they will run into some significant issues. They, they'll fail at the job, but they'll also screw over a few drivers along the way, unfortunately. Yeah, and it may be more than a few. You know, I came from a driver background, uh, do recruiting now. Paul, you came from a recruiting background before you did what you do now. I mean, I'm sure you got some questions yeah. here for Robert. Well, so kind of my whole thing is like one one thing that I was really big at, and I love that you touched on empathy because uh, that's huge. Because uh, that was my whole thing is I've got a family. I support them. But I also want to sleep at night. And if I know that I'm out here just screwing people over, you know, by just telling them whatever I need to do to get in the door and, and get them in the door and then, like, you know, pretty much like bomb their livelihood or at the very least make them go two weeks without a paycheck when they have to transfer to another con- uh, company because, you know, what I told them was false. Um, at that point, in your experience, um, you know, because recruiting does have, you know, a, a sort of a. Uh, stereotypical, like, oh, they're recruiters, they're going to say whatever they got to say, they're full of crap, you know, and I used to, as a recruiting manager, introduce myself as the biggest rat in the sewer, uh, jokingly, obviously, but like, so with that, though, there, there's another component to it that, that I always look at, uh, is the company, you know, does the company have the driver's best interest, and as a recruiter, how do you feel about being proactive to make sure that, even though you're selling it and you're making sure that what the driver needs and you feel like it matches up, is it the recruiter's job to make sure that once that driver's in to make sure that the company is holding up their end of the bargain, if that makes sense? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I joined MVT here back in May of last year. And one, one of the things that we've tried to focus on, and, and it's never really a finished product, uh, but we do very detailed competitive analysis because we need to know where we are versus the market, not just in terms of from customer acquisition, but will the best drivers find us attractive? And having that honest conversation with ourselves, is our baby ugly? And that's a hard thing to do because we don't want to admit that fact. But if you can and you can look at it and you can evolve, you're going to be much more successful at retaining those drivers. I don't know how many carriers I've gone into and and they tell me I want the top 10% of the industry and I have to come back and go, well, do you deserve to have the top 10% of the industry? Mm. It's easy. It's easy to say that, but you have to have that honest discussion of, do you deserve to have that person come in? Um, And that's where some self-awareness comes into it of doing a competitive analysis and all the way from the onboarding process, asking yourself, would I want to be recruited like this? Would I want to stay at the same hotel the drivers are at? Would I want to go through the same classes the drivers are at? And then ultimately, when they're on with the company, would I want to have that same relationship with the operations team? Would I want to be in that truck? And if there's any inclination that you would not, um, having that ability to go, hey, our baby's ugly. We need to do some plastic surgery here real quick. I kind of want to get into a tougher question, kind of have you play devil's advocate here a little bit, because we're trying to determine what makes a good recruiter, what makes a bad recruiter. So on the other side of that, if you were talking to a driver and you were giving them one piece of advice to decide whether the recruiter they're talking to is full of shit or the shit, what would that piece of advice be? Uh, I, I would I would tell any driver when you that that first phone call is important, 
But I would say the second and third phone call are much more important. So if, I, if I'm a driver and I'm looking at what's the best opportunity for me based off of whatever my needs may be, when I have that second and third conversation, that recruiter should be able to very quickly be able to go, hey, I remember, sir, we talked about this, this, and this. If they're attentive to what your needs are and proactive about going, no, I remember what we talked about literally a day ago. That's a great inclination that you have somebody that's working with you and paying attention to what you're doing and not chasing numbers. If you call and every phone call after that first phone call seems like you're talking to the person for the very first time, that is a huge red flag. That That is, you are one of 20 people they're trying to get in through the door and pretty much they're looking at you as just another stat on an Excel spreadsheet someplace. I always tell a driver, look at, do they know my first name? Do they remember what we talked about? If you can do that, that's a very good thing. One thing that's always kind of irked to me, because uh, I think empathy is huge, but I think a big part of empathy is authenticity. Um, so my question to you uh, is, what do you think about scripts when, when a recruiter has a script that they just go off of? Because I'm a firm believer, like, A, you have to be knowledgeable because the second that you don't know something, that call's essentially over. Uh, but two, how do you feel about recruiters who just stick to scripts real hard? Yeah, my, my basic script for a recruiter is qualify, sell, close. And, and I don't mean asking a driver, do you have tickets or accidents? By qualify, I'm really saying that it's a combination of the driver qualifying you and you qualifying that driver. And it's asking the questions, what are you looking for? The reason I ask that is I want to know, hey, do I have what you're looking for? Because I want to come to that very quickly. Selling it is just literally between the driver and the recruiter literally going, hey, you said you wanted this. I have that. You said you wanted this. I have that. And identifying are we both good for each other? And then closing is ultimately just being willing to have that conversation of, I have A, B, and C that you asked for. What do we need to do to take the next step? Because I think we're on the same page. Beyond that basic script of qualify, sell, close, I, I don't want to get into where I'm literally scripting a recruiter to say, okay, now say this line. Now say this line. Because ultimately, you just create little robots that aren't really doing anything sophisticated. They're literally just shooting out advertising spiel, basically. Hey, Robert, that was great insight, and I appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show. We've always had some great conversations together, and it was a pleasure to be able to share some of those conversations and experiences with our audience, so thank you. Hey, absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate what you're doing. Enjoy the podcast here. I can't wait to listen to future episodes. All right. Thank you, Robert. Have a great day. Uh, now that we've talked to our guests and, and we've discussed it, you know, obviously we have our views, but uh, I'd say you being a lot more steeped in it, you know, <laughs> essentially doing it for a living. Uh, I would be curious how if that changed the way you feel about anything. I'm not sure it, it changed the way I feel about it, because these are all core beliefs on how I believe recruiting can be done right and things that they discuss can be done wrong. But my experiences with people like Jimmy or the various other drivers that I've encountered throughout my entire life growing up within this industry. They've led me to the understanding I have for these foundations that I operate within. It's the foundations that we operate within that came from that that gave us what we have today. So as far as changing my understanding, no. If anything, it just reaffirmed what I already believed, that if done right, this is a powerful, rewarding job. 
if done wrong, shame on you for not understanding you're dealing with real people. And you recruit to retain. And if you're not, you're doing it wrong. As far as the empathy that Robert brought up, I, I will fall on that sword any day of the week. These are people. You have to be empathetic. If you're not, there's something wrong with how you're doing this. You expect your boss or your supervisor to be empathetic when you have an issue. How are you as the recruiter, the person that's the first line of defense to bring this person into your organization and communicate your company's culture, not empathetic to the people you're bringing in? If you're calloused and you're cold and you're just reading a script, this job's not for you. You're hurting the industry more than you're helping it. I definitely think those are, are some solid takeaways. And I mean, I, that's, I mean, I, I feel like they almost essentially just agreed with, with everything we, we said in, in the first half, but I mean, it's, it's good stuff. And I mean, it's one of those things, maybe someone doesn't know, maybe they're interested, or, you know, if you're a driver listening and you just want to know what happens in recruiters heads, you know, sometimes, uh, but sometimes one thing I, I feel like we did stray away from is, is just that sometimes it does suck. You know, he talked about, you know, as a driver talking to recruiters, like sometimes it is just try and get them in the door, try and get them in the seat, whoever we can get. It's so easy when you're on the back end, it gets so monotonous that sometimes it's easy to view drivers as assets or numbers on a spreadsheet. But ultimately, if you can't pull your head out of your ass and realize, oh, my God, this is you know, I'm tired, I'm stressed, but these people literally make the world work. <laughs> like, you're not going to be a good recruiter. No, and you hit the nail on the head. And if you're a recruiter out there and you're looking for ways to do this job and be the best version of yourself, you need to communicate what you have, not what you wish you had. You need to communicate clearly and precisely with a sense of urgency. These people are looking for work. They have tons of options. They chose to talk to you. So give them the respect they deserve. Diligently work to get them throughout the process and communicate the entire expectation that you need in order to get them through the process. And, and just work on their behalf. Work together with them to get through it. There's no reason to BS. There's no reason to sugarcoat anything. They, they appreciate someone that's going to be straightforward with them. They don't need you to tiptoe around the bush to communicate the goods and the bads give them the goods give them the bads be very transparent and be understanding that these are real people with families and kids and responsibilities and you're going to be successful within this industry that's the most rewarding thing about this industry is if you do it right it's a great industry to be part of one thing that we didn't touch on that i actually think is super important we kind of touched on it with the everybody should ride in a truck but i think the other thing too is truck driving has a culture truck driving has its own set of terminologies i mean a lot of that's kind of you know gone by the wayside when less and less people use cbs which is sad and a shame and uh almost a safety issue sometimes <laughs> uh i i think you know that that should be pushed more uh to, to bring that back but ultimately like it's a lifestyle and it does have its own culture and and there's a lot you can educate yourself on like if you don't know the difference between a W900 and a Lone Star, you know, like you probably should do some more research before you go getting on the phone some more, you know, like it's even if you don't have those trucks necessarily, it's the idea that like as a recruiter, you need to educate yourself on everything. 
you need to immerse yourself in the culture. And honestly, the more you seek out that information, the more you learn, the more you're going to be a better recruiter, but ultimately, the more you're actually going to help drivers have the best livelihood they possibly could. Well, there you have it, folks. You have the information, both from Jimmy Goodson and Robert Pearson, as well as Paul and myself. So that's cents per mile today. You make your decisions. I'm your host, Charles Gracie. And I'm your co-host, Paul Gibson. Have a good one.